Identify and book the world's best speakers for your next event. MENA Speakers is the leading speakers and MC bureau in the Middle East. We bring global talent to the region and have established the region as a key global hub for speakers. Inspire and motivate your audience. Find exactly what you are looking for by working closely with us to assist you in understanding the cost-benefit analysis tied to selecting a speaker for any event. Ensure that your audience is educated, engaged and empowered. Connect with us for a quick response and tailored advice. Book your speakers now. Throughout your organization, having them understand exactly what engagement is about, the role they play in the whole engagement scheme. It's not just your organization that comes back and our scores were very low. Well, that comes back down to every manager. Welcome everyone. If it's Friday, it's the CEO series. Good morning, good evening, good midday. Depends upon what part of the world you're in. Our guest today is Jan Bruce, who co-founded Equilibrium in 2011 to help people and organizations deal with the stress of change, uncertainty, and adversity. Under Jan's leadership, Equilibrium continues to show strong momentum in 2020 as well as 2021. Ex uh, expanding business with current customers, enterprise customers, expanding the company's partnership with such a steam brand as SAP and Towers Watson. Jan has experience in all facets of digital and print media, from brand management, marketing, ad sales, content creation, circulation, customer, customer acquisitions. In 2002, she signed on as Body and Soul's chief executive officer and led a small round of funding to relaunch the business had a valuation of $2 million, and that was eventually sold to Martha Stewart Living, where we met a while ago. So, Jan, welcome to the show. Thank you, Ron. I'm delighted that, to be here and, and uh, to be connecting with you. Yeah, it, it's, it's cool, you know, because when I, was, when I read the quote on the Martha Stewart piece, and we were working together back I think 10 years, 15 years, whatever it yeah, was, you know, back during that time, interesting times as we've already discussed. Um, so I, during that time, you were a successful editor and publisher, magazine business, and now you're a technologist. Whoa, that's a, that's a hell of a career journey. How did that happen? It's pretty resilient, right? It's a sign yeah. of resilience, exactly. <laughs> Well, you know, I started, people say to me, how did you start your career? And, and um, or, you know, where'd you grow up? And I often say I grew up in media. You know, media was, um, I, you know, I, I was trained as an editor and I, I learned to be a publisher in those days. You know, initially it was print, but, but I also, uh, you know, early in my career worked in a lot of different um, mediums. I worked in broadcast and um, newsstand and radio. Okay, I worked for a company that had a lot of those different properties. So I started early on to be familiar with all these different 
what we call today modalities and that they all have different sort of rhythms to them. You know, they, they work differently and they have different levers, but um, I was, you know, I just, I just loved it. I loved helping people with information and I loved, uh, you know, exciting people and delighting people, um, you know, with, with words and visuals and, and, uh, you know, my, uh, my story is that I, really became, I started as an editor, but someone one day said, you know what, you are a marketer. You are, you know, yeah, you're an editor, but you are a marketer. You are a persuader. And what happened was I, I ended up getting into more business type positions and, mm. um, you know, about, uh, you know, originally in media, often in the news industry, but my real passion was well-being. And about 10 or 15 years into my career, I started doing business turnarounds, which you probably don't know. And what happened was I started seeing media properties that were not positioned successfully that I thought could be better, uh, you know, could be more successful if they were more, um, you know, more consumer oriented, more more practical, more accessible to people. And I started um, because I, I kind of was a seeker. I said, okay, let's, let's see if I can buy these properties and reposition them, turn them around and then sell them. And that's actually what happened with Martha. I had taken over this, this very old company that originally was called New Age Media, Ron. And um, New Age was kind of like, whoa, that was weird. yeah. That was, it, it, it goes stuff. back to the hippie side, right? <laughs> yeah, but what I saw was that you know Oprah was talking about yoga, and Christy Turlington was on the cover of Vogue talking about you know well-being and natural foods and yoga. And I was like, mm. okay, there's a lot of great content here. Let's turn this into body and soul. And our website was wholeliving.com. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I bought these, dis, this distressed asset, which was, I used to say it was like a fabulous old brownstone with great bones, mm-hmm. but, you know, really kind of needing to be gut renoed, you know, re, you know, and I, we repositioned it as body and soul and we built it up and really within two years, we sold it to Martha who <laughs> yeah. saw that, you know, Martha would say, you know, we yeah. own we own living we own the domestic arts but whole living why not you know that's equally important to take care of yourself and so we had uh you know we were it was a very um it was a wonderful time because we had she saw that we had omnimedia potential and um it was you know it, it was just um a wonderful opportunity you know my i think of my career from you know mar- from editor to marketer to business person i mean i learned a thing about yeah. you know doing turnarounds and then sales yeah. but you know the the thing is in in work there's skills and there's passion right okay. and you know I, I acquired more skills but my passion was always about you know helping people and well-being and uh you know inspiration for people mm-hmm. I've followed your company for since you started, and and then when COVID hit and kind of thing, I said, "Were you really onto something?" Because everything that you're talking about now from equilibrium is where we need to be post COVID, 
And if there was ever a kind of which way the wind is blowing, let me go that way. That was a that was a perfect move. That was a perfect move to do that because, as you said, the body and soul was kind of new agey kind of approach. But that was cool that way that you were able to see the business behind that and build up a brand beyond that. Right. Yeah. And you know, it was about making it. Uh, practical, not preachable, not preachy and, you know, accessible, yeah. not ideological. But um, yeah, you know, I think that we, um, when you really know a subject, I think people do two things. When they, when they understand a subject, it's either, um, it, you know, they get so holier than thou about it that they can't see how to make it accessible to people. Or they, you know, you can look at, you can, because you know and love a subject, you can say, this is going to be something for everyone, you know, and that's really what I felt originally about the, um, the, you know, natural products and healthy living and mind body space. And then Mm. when we started this company, you know, it was a similar thing. I, uh, you know, if, if you're just to give you a, a minute about the company or maybe, maybe I'm digressing. No, 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 no. Uh, give us that because the, the background of that in transitioning and repositioning the brand and all of that, all that's important to the conversation. So walk us through that. Sure. And, you know, so there I was, um, you know, I was in the, I was pretty much, you know, ensconced in media and in the, um, you know, the, the mind, body, holistic health, sustainability field. And what I saw was that first of all, media, and you were there too, media was imploding, you know, media was being all media is an interesting industry or business because it has multiple revenue streams right Mm -hmm. but they were all being disrupted by technology and i was like my whole life was being direct you know disrupted Mm -hmm. by upstart technologists um and i kind of said there's got to be a way first of all this is making people nuts you know people were more stressed out than ever Mm -hmm. and i felt like what people, you know, the how to, you know, sort of mind, body, holistic health, the ability to manage your mindset was going to be more important than ever for people because yeah. people, yeah. You know, people were running, running around crazy. They, you know, the lines between work and life are blurring. There's no downtime. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I said, you know, we have to use technology to essentially deliver some help to people and Mm. in my mind it mean meant to disrupt the coaching industries which were very kind of bound by time and space and unaccessible to most people especially Mm -hmm. in the workplace people you know only management had coaches (laughs) yeah i said with technology maybe we can start to give everyone Mm. So a little bit of interactive help. Yeah. Give them and access. That was, yeah. That's where it all started. Mm. So you mentioned disruption. So you talked about media and, you know, the magazine business was big. One of the things I, I kind of chuckle when you said newsstands, because, you know, you go through Port Authority, you go through Grand Central Station, it's all the newspapers and news magazines and all those kind of things. I don't know whether that's still there because I haven't been there in a while, but 
you saw disruption as a possible business opportunity. So when we're you know, managing our careers and we see that our, our industry that we're in is being disrupted, do we wait for the organization to kind of corral that disruption and guide it in a certain way? Or do we maybe think of an idea like you did and, and begin trying to put something together um, to try and address that disruption? Well, isn't that the most, you know, isn't that the key question, right? Yeah. Be, you know, it, because I think that there are, you know, there's that pathway that you have, right? You mm -hmm. can either try to hold the guard, you know, hold the yeah. line, or you can try to sort of, you, you know, you can, you can say, how do we get ahead of this? And how do we leverage what's going on to make something new and more effective? And that's, you know, that's, that's kind of where my head went. Yeah. So, you know, you talk about well-being, you talk about resilience. And if you think of perfect timing with COVID, uh, resilience is one of the most talked about phrases today. You can't read, whether it's Harvard Business Review or your local newspaper, right. we're trying to figure out how is this going to look in this new normal. Um, so tell us how your product enables people to navigate, you know, this resilient space, purpose, well-being, and all those kinds of things. So kind of give us kind of a little pitch as to how you, how you approach it and what is, the, what is the why behind it? Why do we need to do this? Sure. So the why, so first of all, let me, let me say, a, let me just set, you know, level set about resilience. How about that? Okay, okay cool. You, you know, because people say to me all the time, well, what is resilience? And, um, you know, you ask people, it, 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 the good news is everyone's, as you say, everyone's talking about it. The, the tricky part is that the word gets overused and misunderstood, you know, potentially misunderstood. You know, I always say that, well, the, the textbook definition or the, the, the psychological definition is really a psycho psychological term. Uh, or, or psychological sort of, you know, state of being is the ability to withstand pressure, stress, adversity, mm -hmm. and bounce back, but then also optimize. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of people think of it as just like in Angela Duckworth's, you know, that's kind of a famous book. Yeah, um, I read that grit. book. You know, it, yeah. There is an element to grit and tenacity and staying power to this but you know if i forgive me if i'm dating myself but you know we all remember that well many of us remember that old cartoon uh wiley coyote uh, you know roadrunner and wiley coyote right best and, cartoon ever right so you know resilience is not day after day after day yeah. like trying to go after your prey you know, and, and, and setting a new trap and ending up like caught in your own net and going yeah. on a cliff, right? Yeah. That's not what this is about. <laughs> this res resilience is about understanding how to use your strengths and your skills to, um, you know, to, to push forward. And a large part of it is what should you, you know, what, what do you t undertake and what should you not undertake? You know, there's, mm -hmm. it's like, it's like problem solving, it's critical thinking, but it's also 
about um, making sure that you're not part of a problem. Mm. You know, all okay. of these things. And then the outlook about, you know, when you go, when things, so people say to me all the time, like, you, you know, you with result, you know, how did you get your business to navigate through, through COVID? You know, we are a very resilient co culture. We practice resilience. We understand how to help people have that adaptive and agile mindset. And of course, um, whenever we are approaching a, you know, not just a, a pandemic or a black swan event, but, you know, whenever we're approaching a sea change, you know, technological disruption or, yeah. you know, you leaders as leaders, you have to kind of say, what's going to help me get a, you know, how do I have to go? Where do I have to go to get ahead of this? And oftentimes mm -hmm. it's really scary, right? Mm. But you have to kind of move. If you think you're just going to hold the line, you're probably going to have. It's probably going to be harder to hold the line than you know than than steer to the newness. You know, um, I do a lot of executive coaching, and from the external brand to some of my clients, it seems as if they have it all. You know, the external brand shows success. It shows. I'm doing it all. I'm doing all these things, but they are a, it's an inner turmoil disaster as they're trying to come to terms with that. So how would you coach, uh, or how would you address the people who are struggling inside, but the external side shows everything is fine. So you're saying what's the toolkit for resilience? Yes. Okay. So here's what I think. First of all, we all have um, these built-in ways of I, like sort of looking at life, life problems, life situations, and they can be effective or not effective. Like we have a choice. And the resilient, you know, the toolkit is to first of all, you know, make sure you I, I always boil it down to. A, a, like three or four things. Number one, what is my point of view about what's going on here? You know, is it really about me or is it not about me, but I still have to deal with it? Yeah. A lot of times, you know, you personalize it and it makes it worse. And yeah. then, you know, you want to say, is it about, is this always happening or is it just now it's happening? Mm -hmm. You know, do I always fail? Or is this just, am I just maybe a failure at this, right? That's, you know, that an unpleasant thing to say, but is it yeah. always or not always? And then is it everything? You know, do I, you know, do I always fail at my tennis game or do I, or am I, do I just fail at everything I try? Mm -hmm. You know, is it everything or is it um, not everything, just this thing? If you can manipulate your thinking into understanding that it's really um, that you have the power, but it's not always going to be this way. That is a resilient. That is like, in my okay. opinion, the first step into getting in position to solve the problem. Mm. But, um, and then, you know, beyond that, I I am a huge believer in self-care and and energy. You know, you got to have the fuel. And yeah. then you got, and then thirdly, you got to ask the questions. You know, you you've got to be open-minded and 
really not assume you know the answer until you really ask the question. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of, you know, it's not a silver bullet. You've got yeah. to be this opening, you know, questioning, open-minded questioning, but um, critically critical thinking person. Mm. A lot of reflection to see, to, to, to analyze various situations and and trying to probably figure out, you know, what did that well, what did not well, how can I improve upon that? That's, so I'm kind of a reflecting person. I reflect every day, end the day. I reflect in the week, looking back at a week. So I started this process in Dubai. I would walk every day. And people would say, oh, my goodness, you're walking and exercising. It wasn't really about that. It was about just clearing my mind, walking out and looking at the water in Dubai Creek and taking photos and all those kind of things. It took me away from the pressures of work. And that was the way I dealt with the resilience part. And then when I came back, I was refreshed because what I found was the days that I did not walk or do anything, it was a heavier load to carry. You know, when I'm on a virtual and I'm talking to people all over the world and I've got a peer to be on and all these kinds of things that we go through in this new medium. So that worked for me, you know, reflection. No, I think that's absolutely right. It totally works for me to get, you know, to clear my head, exercise is, is a huge uh, uh, strength builder. I don't mean physical strength, I mean mental yeah. strength. Yeah, mental, I think yeah. yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, I think having that perspective, um, getting the, you know, just the, the perspective from, from distance and that, you know, sort of open, you know, clear mind is so foundational, especially, mm. you know, leaders today under are under so much pressure. Yes. Yes. Trust me, I deal with a lot of them every day. <laughs> so let's talk about leadership. Why should a leader ca care about, you know, the resilience and the well-being? We got work to do. Let's get back to the P&L and all those kinds of things. How do you, what do you, what do you tell a leader that's, doesn't understand the resilience part or understand the kind of new age, as you mentioned, approach to a workforce as well as that leadership team. Yeah. Well, first of all, you know, I don't know about you, Ron, but I, in my career, I have never heard leaders and CEOs talk about overwhelm the way they talk about it today. I mean, yes. you know, when I was early in my career, all the people I worked for, thought over overload and overwhelm was a good thing. Ah, load good them thing. up. Yeah. You know, that's good. There badge you know, of honor. Right. It's a badge <laughs> of honor. You're not, you know, I'm on the road 200 days a year. Don't talk to me about traveling, whatever. Um, but I think that today um, leaders are, you know, leaders, basically leaders of almost every business understand at, a at some, you know, existential level, that they need to transform their business in order to stay where they are, mm -hmm. which is relatively new. I mean, you know, if you think about it, every company has been changing the way they, because of technology, the way they talk to their customers, ship their products, make their products, talk to their employees, run their businesses. Everything is transforming. And in order to stay ahead and stay where they are, they need to manage that. At the same time, their people are burned out and stressed out and they're, you know, they're checking out. We've heard about the great resignation. Yeah. And so, you know, 
what I think the business case is that today, burnout and stress and mental health issues, you know, anxiety, aggression, uh, and, and turnover, attrition, these are the things that are that will cripple your business. Yeah. And you must see these as as connected to engagement and and mental well-being mm-hmm. and purpose and culture. This is not a, a, a nice to have any longer. It, you know, yeah. you've got to build that into your organization. Mm-hmm. Without it, you don't have the the workforce that can adapt and be and, and, and sort of rise to what you need to do to be successful in this new era. And so, you know, what we do, we, we do a really good job, you know, our business just, I don't know if I said this, you know, if you just to get this out there, Nequilibrium, my company today, and I think you said this nicely in the intro, we help large global organizations um, in a very sort of, we we help them develop a more resilient workforce. And Mm. that is, you know, three things. It's individual in a very personalized uh, tech, you know, digital experience to help people develop the skills that they need to be more resilient. We help leaders and managers and teams do that because you have to go like not just bottoms up, but top down yeah. with developing that mindset. But then also the third thing is that we give management the data, the insights that they need. Oh, evidence-based. So yeah. you show a CEO or, you know, a CHRO that their people have are suffering, you know, are burned out, they can't focus. And that is a real, um, you know, impetus that creates an impetus for for them to sit up and start to think about how to address this problem. So we do that. And that really helps make the business case to leadership, you know, it, you know, beyond the Harvard Business Review case, it <laughs> yeah. makes this really hard and not soft. It's not yeah. just a soft thing anymore. So you mentioned top down. You know, so when I hear the people talk about culture and they're saying HR culture, I said, no, 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 that starts up top. They've got to create that inside of an organization. And that was one of the key things that you just spoke about. Because one of the questions I had for you is how do you build a resilient workforce? And you walk through the business case behind it, and the leaders are going to drive that. And the leaders have to show that we are out the forefront and we want to do you know, what we need to do to make sure we have that workforce. So I say all that to say, I notice a lot of companies have made missteps. So they say, we need everybody to come back on Mondays and Fridays. In other words, they weren't even listening. They just created work from home policies and all these kinds of things, and they never listened to possibly what people were going through. And I'm just going by headlines. I don't know what they did under that, but I do notice that in reading, I noticed that a lot of a lot of employees were complaining. They signed letters to say, we're not going to do this or a different workforce. And this is where I'm, where I'm driving this to. So you mentioned new age. New age was probably in our era when you were going through that. But the new workforce is looking for something different. So they're using terms like well-being. They're using terms like resistance. I think it's a perfect opportunity for organization to kind of create a brand around that. I agree. So as you're working with clients, are you are, are you talking through not only using a tool to build resilience, but to revamp a brand? Yeah, exactly. And we, we are. So, you know, what's interesting is that my I was talking to, um, I don't know if you know Josh Burson, 
Josh is um, a good friend of mine. Oh, great. So I was, and, and he's helped me so much. You know, he's so smart. I was talking to Josh Burson about this and his, his philosophy, his, his conclusion is that resilience for a company is more like safety. It, you know, it, it, it you know was when 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 organizations started to implement practices to you know to instill a culture of safety. Um, it's not a program; it's a muscle. You know, it's mm. something that you have to okay. work at. Mm. And what we find is that for the organization to build a you know to build resilience into the organization so that they can withstand whatever's happening, you know, whatever's going to happen. Um, it, it's a relatively simple thing, but it's, you know, it's difficult to, or now, you know, it, it, it's, it's a relatively, it's a relatively simple thing. Let me just explain. Uh, you need, first of all, I said there are four things. One, you need to have, um, you need to make, make sure that your people have enough of the basic skills so that they can self-manage. They need to have enough, you know, positivity, empathy, mm -hmm. emotional intelligence, self-awareness, and 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 the impetus or the the space to take care of themselves. You know, energy management, work, self-care. Like you said, we need to stress that it's important to rest our machines, our human machines. So that's like what I call the first thing primary i call that like you know it's the primary skills that you need yeah yeah and you've got to get yeah. you can't just have like the management understand that and yeah. then not you know do that the second thing is you got to be able to detect risks in your population you know and 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 help people that are kind of on the edge or need support you've got we you know data can often do that you know you can yeah. you can evaluate people you can see um, lots of companies are constantly evaluating people for health, health screening, but mm -hmm. we also have to do it for emotional and, you know, mental well-being screening. Mm. The third thing you got to do is this is kind of where you were going. You've got to have a cultural commitment to resilience. Yeah. yeah. Leadership and management needs to embrace it. We need to own it. We need to take it seriously and we need to create um, you know, you need to kind of bake it into your communications, your culture, transparency, empathy. You know, you see the companies that are in the news. We all we hear from time to time about a company that's in the news because they they appear to be, you know, a really <laughs> yeah. nice company. And then external, you hear that, ex external brand. <laughs> Beautiful. Right. <laughs> exactly. But then you find that they're, you know, doing something abusive, like, yes. like the values and are not aligned. So yes. you got to really focus on that. And as a leader, as a CEO, that's what you, you know, I spend mm -hmm. a lot of time on that. And then the last thing is you've got to have, and Josh is really, you know, this is sort of the, what separates, I say, the men from the boys, sorry, women are, you know, the women from the girls. <laughs> we, we get it. <laughs> We got to have data. We got to yeah. be able to understand what people are worried about, what they're getting, what they're not getting, because you've got to, you know, data can really help you address the problem. So, mm. you know, skills, risk detection, cultural community, you know, culture, and then data.
That's what it takes. And what I say is it sounds simple. It is kind of simple, but you need a structure to do all of that. Yeah. I read a term, I came across a phrase the other day I really liked. It was called organizational in, uh, engineering or re-engineering. And when we talk about this wellness and resilience and all these kinds of things, I said that falls into that because the organizations are going to have to be re-engineered to maybe have that at the top of, at, at the, top of the uh, forefront of what they're trying to accomplish. Because you go to everybody's website, they got a beautiful statement. Oh, my God. They say all these cool things. And then you go inside, it's an absolute mess and people can't wait to get out. But meanwhile, externally, people are trying to get in and on the back door, people are going out. So, yeah. You I agree with you. I, I agree with you. And this is the new normal. I mean, the new, you know, the rules, you know, you were talking about, uh, you know, is, are people going to go back or people, you know, are we going to go back? This is, um, you know, we are in, how do I say this? The only constant right now is that is is that things are going to keep changing and people need to be prepared for that. They need to feel good about, you know, they need to try to feel good about it. I mean, look at how we're working, right? Yeah. Hybrid, hybrid, yeah. flexible. Yeah. The rules are, you know, people are like every day things, you know, things, things are changing. And then, yeah. you know, you've also got, this new trend that I'm interested in is that companies, really big companies, are are um, are, are divesting themselves. You know, they're breaking themselves up GE, because they're almost like too big. They're too big to be agile. They're too yeah. big to adapt. Yeah, yeah. Remember when you and I were working together? It was like too. The whole thing was too big to fail. Yeah. Now it's too big to change. Yes. So. Yeah, turning that big ship around in the ocean or whatever that metaphor is as it relates to that. So let's have a commercial break. And I think we have a video from your company and can give the audience a, a, a better insight as to what the company is about. That's so wonderful. let's go for, for a commercial break. Equilibrium makes great companies. We work with some of the biggest companies in the world and we help them be as agile and adaptive and up for the challenge as they possibly can be. Equilibrium is the leading solution to build resilience in individuals and organizations. And resilience has never been more important than it is right now. Companies need to not only just respond to challenges, but they need to be open to opportunities. The pace of change has never been this fast, yet it will never be this slow again. Resilience is a choice. Adversity is inevitable. No matter what we do, who we are, where we are, we are going to face adversity. With Mequilibrium, we built a holistic, whole person system that could really engage every individual and serve as an organizational imperative to help people learn to be at their best and stay at their best. We have the capacity to customize a program for people to boost their resilience that they can access any time, night or day any place in the world. We have a really engaging product that works at an individual level and at a team level where people can work together on resilience building skills as a group. And we have organizational insights that help organizations understand where they should focus their energies. So by putting all these three building blocks together, we help organizations become more resilient. We scale 
measure and deliver proven outcomes that results in, in higher engagement scores, higher NPS, higher job satisfaction, and reduces burnout, anxiety, and depression. We face incredible challenges and incredible opportunities, and the companies who figure out how to wrestle those challenges to the ground and build on those opportunities are the ones who are gonna thrive in the next 20 years. The world's changing faster than it ever has. Resilience is a core competency every organization needs to master. And so we are really the leaders in that. And so if you believe resilience is important, we're the ones to talk to. Resilience is our business. And we take very seriously the responsibility to help the world's greatest companies be better. I love that video. Oh my goodness, I love that video. You touched on all the key points, you know, as it relates to that. One of the things you mentioned in that video was, I, uh, I lived in Saudi Arabia, and when I moved to Dubai, I was the CEO for Great Place to Work. And I was there for a little over a year, you know, running that business. You mentioned engagement scores. So how does the engagement survey tie into, you know, a product like Equal, uh, you know, how, 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 yeah, how does that connect? Well, we have a way, um, first of all, because we're digital and we're not just um, live coaching, although we, we can do coaching if you want it, but because we're a digital digital product, we take in a lot of data about people, about, about um, employees as they're using our app. Uh, and um, we take in, you know, social, emotional, cognitive, behavioral, okay. environmental, you know, psychological and it's all very private it's hipaa compliant we won't we won't share anyone's data it, we, we aggregate it to look at trends that's how we use mm -hmm. the data mm -hmm. but um we also um have the same kind of tools that like a gallup uses or you know a qualtrics uses to measure a, a person's um relationship to their work and what you know whether they're sort of, you know, feeling supported at work or whether their work is, okay. is um, you know, helping them or hurting them, it, you know, whether it's what I call a lift or a drag in their day. Um, and we are reporting that now a lot of our customers then take all of our insights and our reports and they all, they watch, they correlate them with changes in other metrics like mm. absence or turnover or engagement okay. scores or net promoter score. And okay. that's uh, and that's sort of like proof positive. So before we went on break, you know, we were talking about the companies making that statement. And I know that doing the George Floyd situation, everyone came up with DEI. Everybody just said everybody yeah. said beautiful things and they went on and on and on. And but there was nothing done. It was just statements. So what advice would you give organizations if we're talking about resilience, we're talking about, you know, the workplace and well-being and all these things to drill down 
and get away from just having the website? Are you living, eating, breathing, and sleeping that every day in that internal structure? Yeah, I think you have to. I mean, I think you have to take it seriously and do the work. Um, and and that really starts at the top. I know from Equilibrium, we um, you know we're we're uh, we're a relatively small company compared to a lot of the customers that we serve. We, you know, we work for some of the biggest banks, financial services, yeah. tech companies in the world. But we um, we took very seriously. Uh, that we needed to uh, have, you know, some self-examination about, you know, is our, our our practices, is our language, is our, you know, is our language in our in our product um, um, accessible and you know to everyone? Is it equitable? Um, is it diverse? Are the examples relevant to all sorts of people? And um, I think you just have to do that. I think that. Today, um, it's a it's a very um, you know it's a very different game. The values that you deliver to the customer and the values of your company need to be very close. You know, need to be very congruent and intertwined, mm-hmm. or people um, or or you won't be successful. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't you can't purport to deliver this kind of value yeah. and not yeah. be that kind of culture. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And we hear about it all the time. That's, you know, we were talking about that. You hear about that. That's where you get these toxic cultures and, you know, and they only yeah. can go on for so long. And, and you know, the, the, the other way of looking at that, that toxic culture. But meanwhile, you go back to the so-called headlines and the headlines say we do cool things and we care and all of that. Because I've had people in exit interviews that, you know, we say all these things. It's, it's the worst culture I've, I've ever worked in. And I think that, and to my side, I think that organizations are going to have to realize this. This is real. This is not a fad. And in order to attract the people we want to attract to, you know, uh, enhance business performance, we're going to have to clean up our act in a lot of cases. I agree. And, you know, also we have such, you know, right now, I think it's really hitting companies and leaders because of um, the massive um, attrition rates that people, you know, people are leaving the workforce and we are, we, you know, we have very low unemployment in, at least in the U S and so we need to take care of the people we have. And we, you know, and um, it, you know, it's, it's really sort of, the war for you know the, the war for talent is not going to go away. Mm-hmm. So I think that also drives it home to to leaders that you know the, there are there are workplace policies that are the new requirement to help retain people. You know you got to yeah. be flexible, you got to be hybrid, but you all, there are also <laughs> cultural requirements yeah. to help retain people. Mm-hmm. And um, you know some of we have some really rich companies who can afford to, um, you know, basically buy their way out of the problem. But I don't know, you know, but but that none of that goes on forever. And at some Mm. point, um, you know, companies face, you know, face a talent reckoning, right? Yeah. Yeah. As they say, this is another metaphor. The chickens come home to roost. Yeah. Coming from right. coming from the, right. I, I grew up in the south, so that's kind of a southern metaphor. You know, chickens coming home to roost. You know, whatever you've done out there will eventually come back. So if we if we're looking at that, you mentioned drive uh, top down. Should the leadership competencies and we and when companies or boards are trying to go out and find leaders, is that a key point to 
from a board perspective as a new type leader we need? I think so. I, I think that leaders, you know, there's, there's, there's competencies and there's human skills. Yeah. And I think human skills are very, very important right now. Yeah. The soft side. The, I call yeah. It. Yeah. So technical side, then you got the soft side of, 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 uh, of a skill for, for that particular leader. I read a, I read a, a, a quote. It wasn't really a quote, but I read a fact that the org chart, the six day work week to five day work week, that transition was a hundred years ago. And I found that unique because here we are struggling with work from home, work from anywhere. It's the same thing as going back. And when you go back a hundred years and read through that, a lot of the challenges that the leaders were saying, if we go from six days to five days, the repercussions, the same thing is being talked about now. But a hundred years and COVID has given us a situation to start from a blank slate. And I think it's I think we should welcome that and, and to try and let's just start from scratch. We have no reference point. Let's just try and figure out something. I totally agree with that. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it, is an, it is a new day. And, uh, you know, it goes back to what you were saying earlier. You either, you know, you, you can hold the line or you can work with this and move ahead. Mm -hmm. And I think there's so much value in moving ahead. A lot of value in moving ahead because we have to face the so-called headwinds that's, that's coming through, which leads me to my other question is that equilibrium 14 days to cooler, calmer and happier. Give us some insights on that book. Yeah, that was our first book. And actually, um, yeah, that, that was our first book. What we wanted to do, the co-founders, we, we you know, we wanted to get a book out there. I felt very um you know, it was, it, we, we felt strongly that we should do a consumer book and, um, you know, people kept saying to us, well, what exactly is the science of resilience and how do you yeah. put it to work? Yeah. And we wanted to make it as I, you know, I said earlier, we, the, the point of the book was to make this very, very accessible and, and practical and easy to understand, um, to distill this so that we could really help people with some essential concepts. So our idea, like so many, you know, self-help books yeah. is to come up with, you know, 14 days. Like, can you yeah. actually do, yeah. the, you know, do this? And, and, you know, we, we did, I think the book and, and the book is, you know, to some extent a print distillation of a, a lot of what we do better in technology because we help people stay with these 14 things and practice them all mm -hmm. the time. Yeah. You know, because a lot of times, you know, you learn to like Ron, you learn to you said, take a, you know, get out, take a walk, clear your mind. But you may get to the point where you're working on something, a, a big project and you get kind of so, yeah. you know, that you forget. Right. Yeah. So we can tech up with technology. We can send you a push notification. Ron, have you taken a walk today? Mm. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but meanwhile, um, you know, what we wanted to do with the book is really help people reboot themselves the way you would do it with like, you know, a diet book or an exercise book, but this uh -oh. was with, for your mind, right? Yeah, you know, we yeah. wanted to teach yeah. you things like calming your emotions, mm. things like, um, you know, um, um, you know, starting to solve, you know, think about your problems in a different way, like changing mm. that mindset. We wanted to help people manage 
like that feeling that they're out of control and they have too much on their to-do list. We want you yeah. to give you strategies yeah. on day six yeah. to, you know, step back. Ditch yeah. Ditch the drudge, right? Like yeah. just ditch that stuff. You don't yeah. have to do it. Burnout yeah. strategies, you know, sleep strategies, become dialing up your positivity. So those are the kinds of things that we did mm. in the book. And, um, you know, it, was, it is really kind of the whole package in 14 days. But, of course, the secret is to keep doing it, not keep just doing it. read the book. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So when you mentioned the, uh, you know, the weight loss and those kind of things, like, they, they, you know, you, all, of them, all of them will work if you stick to it. Exactly. Exactly. But, but people will get it and they're excited about it and then they forget it and they do something else and they push it aside and they go through that. Yeah. And, you um, know, one of the things that I'm really ex oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. no go ahead. And finish. I'm excited. You know, I I'm actually, um, you know, I'm thinking if I were going to write a, if I were going to do a book now, um, my motivation, you know, it's so interesting. You were talking about resilience being so important right now. I think that. Um, I'm really interested in in thinking about uh, like sort of examining how we as a culture, you know, or how humanity has, you know, could be better with yeah. some of these skills. Yeah. You know, like if there was more empathy, if there was more emote, you know, people weren't sort of leading with their emotions, you know, just sort of, you know, if it was more, if there was better problem solving, you know, and, 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 um, you know, critical thinking right now. Mm. And, um, you know, that, that's kind of, that's a very interesting subject to me. Yes. Yeah, so, so, you know what, based on the conversation so far, does Nicolibrium offer leadership development? Because a lot of the things you're talking about needs to be ingrained in the people that's running an organization. Yes. I mean, we, we could give them data points and all these kind of things, but they have to understand the importance of this and then a lot of the actions they may have to change, I reflect upon how they could change. Yeah, and absolutely. I mean, we that is absolutely you know the second the second leg of our product. You know that when we say leaders and managers, it's a lot of leadership development and helping leaders understand that um, you know what are both how to spot problems, how to deal with problems, yeah. how to understand how they contribute to problems. Mm -hmm. You know, that's that's a big part of it. Okay. So I'm going to take it one step back before, as, as we get ready to close out, what should an organization give consideration? And this is my thinking, the people we put in roles as managers, that could be based on a technical skill. So if the new normal is we need a balance of that, I also need the soft skills. How could we... Uh, how would we talk to an organization about you have to be extremely careful today about people you're putting into leadership positions? I think you're right. I mean, I think we want to make sure that leaders that, you know, just as we promote leaders because they're really competent yeah. and they have strong, you know, they're strong at certain competencies. We need to emphasize that to, to, before we entrust our people to them, we they need to be competent in human. What I call human skills. I'm kind of yeah. like, let's not call it soft skills anymore. Let's call okay. it human, human skills, skills okay. right? Okay. Because how many times have you seen, you know, the sales leader or the technology leader? 
who's brilliant and technically competent, but is a terror, but has bad human skills. Uh, yeah. We got it. That's, that's the name of the game. Yeah. 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 So if we looked at that filtering process and I, and I say that because I read a book called it's the managers by Gallup and Gallup kind of talked through the same thing that a lot of the dysfunctions inside of organization co comes back to leaders. So that could be, uh, something that should also be addressed in making the selection for the new people that we're putting in into these particular roles you know yeah. human-centered kind of uh approaches in doing that versus the p l leader driving revenue market share all those things but i'm a horrible person right yeah the kind of people i deal with a lot <laughs> <laughs> well you know what we can help you we can help yeah. them okay okay let's cool. help them right because you okay. know people people at the end of the day are happier to you know to do you know to feel good and and to make others feel good than not they just need you know and this is all that's the other thing to stress this is all learned behavior mm. you're not born this way yeah it's not yeah. person you know it is the these skills can be learned and you know people develop thinking styles that make them successful to help them get ahead, but they're not necessarily helpful for the next phase. Mm -hmm. So we mm -hmm. got to learn, we got to learn those human skills. Okay, cool. Jen, thank you so much for being a guest on the show. Um, it was a pleasure to have you and connect after so many years. Um, so just hang on for a minute as we close out, then we'll come back offline. Thank you so much. Okay. Thank you.